Welcome to the Mike Bowie Show, where we talk with people who influence people. Welcome to the podcast, People Who Influence People. I'm your host, Mike Bowie, and today I have Barb Griffith. Uh, and I'm really excited about this because several of my guests so far, when I've asked them off off air, you know, who should I get? And many of them have said, you got to get Barb. I'm like, well, okay, I got Barb. And guess what? <laughs> You're here. Yay. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank so, you for asking me. Well, it's, it's really my pleasure because we've known each other socially, kind of business social mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for five years and just never really had a chance to, to get in depth. So I'm really glad you're here. And my first question, and I don't know what my second one's going to be. Okay. My first question is, what's it like being Barb Griffith? You knew that was coming, didn't you? I did. <laughs> um, what I can say is it's stressful. It's joyful. It's a new adventure every day. It's chaotic. Um disorganized it's um it's all of that rolled into one i have a very stressful position um and i feel like i can handle that well i have uh i have to be ready for anything every day is different um so i like being me i like and i and i like it that's cool so tell me you know, the first thing you said, maybe it was the second, was stressful. stressful. So mm-hmm. tell me about just your average day. Cause our, and we'll talk about this in a bit. I know you're retiring soon, and c- yeah. congratulations <laughs> for that. But forget that now because you're right. still working. Tell me about um, something that, that you encounter that's, that's stressful. I know you have, a, you have a tremendous leadership role. And in any leadership role, there's going to be stress. So in your um, nonprofit world... What's a, a common stressor? Well, first of all, um, the organization that I work for, Community Living Incorporated, uh, we serve individuals with developmental disabilities, very vulnerable individuals. We um, are, I mean, and the buck stops with me, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, and they are all over the county, and who, you know, it's like, Anything could happen at any time. So there's a lot of liability on my shoulders, a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. I'm not saying I'm the only one. I have an amazing team of people that work for me, amazing. But you never know when something's going to happen. Example, I'm going along, you know, checking off my to-do list, which I usually get one thing off a week (laughs) as and I get a call from a guardian of someone who is very upset and this has happened and I have to then drop things and deal with that person and so um or uh uh one of my nightmares was when one of the individuals uh that we provide residential supports to uh, eloped, left the home, and it was like, oh, all hands on deck, let's go find this right. person. Right, wow, so, okay. So there are, um, and then just the day-to-day of making sure that staff are in place, that there's money to pay them. Budget the whole bit. Budget, yeah, um, yeah. so there's a lot of responsibility, um, and I, I never really know, it's like, when that will hit. When are you able to plan your days? Not very well. 
Uh, do you keep a calendar mm-hmm. where you say... I, I live by my calendar, and I, I have some hard stops on that calendar. In fact, um, one of the things I've gotten better at on my hard stops are personal things. Osteo Strong is one, ah, yoga, tennis. Yeah. Um, I, I do things, you know, that, I, of course, I, I can juggle that if I need to. But right. So I put hard stops in there, but... Um, I will have, I've got to get this report done, I got, need to um, do this evaluation. Sometimes those have to go by the wayside because I get those phone calls or there's a crisis or there is someone that needs something from me. So um, it's just a, it's very hard to plan a day. Is, is community living your, is that your first CEO role? Yes. Okay, and then before that, t- tell me just kind of, you know, in the, in the nutshell, what was your career? So, wow, started a long, long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> way back in the day. Um, what's in- interesting is I was kind of on a path to do more maybe physical therapy type stuff. I love science. Really? I, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I got a, a job working in, I lived in Nebraska at the time and working in an institution, and, and this is in 1978, that served people with disabilities. And my friend got me that job there, and I worked and was like a coordinator of, of services, and I saw the treatment of many of the individuals that were there. They were treated not very well, not like individuals. Um, And it hit my heart. And I said, I want to make a difference. I want to do something that will make a difference to lift people up so that all people can live fulfilling lives. And that was in 1978. And so then I got into the field of disabilities at that time. I worked, continued working there. My husband then was transferred here to St. Charles, St. Louis area in 1983. I had a baby at that time. I worked at United Cerebral Palsy, but I've been in the field all along. I've done almost every job that is available from day programs to coordinator jobs to um, I was an assistant director of unemployment program. and direct care. Um, okay. So, so it's it chose me. Right. The field chose me, and um, I've just I kind of continued to work in the field. Um, it, I in 1993. No, 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 I'm sorry. 1998. The original executive director of community living left for some health reasons. And the board, that was Hank Cleaver Jr. at the time, a prominent pediatrician here in St. Charles County, um, was on the board and asked me to take the role of CEO. And I said, it was executive director at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I didn't know. Did, did you even, could you even imagine what that meant? No, I had no idea. I had been very active in going to board meetings. I was the director of our day program. I had um, a passion for what I was doing. I had no idea what shape the organization was in. Sure. I had to fire a lot of uh, C-suite people. We had a to- total organiz- reorganization. I'm glad I said yes. I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And I've done that before. 
I'll just say yes, and then it's like I'll give it my all. Right. And I'm glad I did, but boy. Well, that's, that's huh. very entrepreneurial. <laughs> so I, Yeah, I think so, I guess. You, did, had, had you been an entrepreneur at all mm-hmm. in the past? Because no. that's something that, you know, as a, as a business owner, you know, you dive in. And you just you just go, mm-hmm. and you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you dove in. I dove. I dove in. One of the board was it. I mean, how deep was it? Barb? It was deep. <laughs> it was. We are way in the hole. Oh no! <laughs> and our reputation was not good. Mm. Um, I had to mend a lot of fences with uh, state departments. But by now, other- you had been in the community a while, so you had relationships, or no? I was way behind the scenes. Were you? No, that was not that was not my thing. I was a mom, and I, you so know, your community I went to presence came after the role, right? I had a board member, Jeff Strickland, by the way, um, who said, "Okay, Barb, your job is to make sure that at least half of everyone in St. Charles County knows about community living, because at that time, no Nobody one knew. did. There was no fundraising, no." Right present nothing and i was i had no idea like how to the, do what it what does that look like yeah, yeah. It's, it's i i had no idea how to do it not my comfort zone at right. all i'm an introvert at this point you're you're a servant you've been serving yes. people right. for and many, that many was years. Big, right um so i said okay so i started just going <laughs> by myself to a fundraiser a, a chamber meeting i sure. just started putting myself out there shaking hands making friends hey lisa bowie hey um so um who is greg Prestman? you know the mm-hmm. former edc director mm-hmm. and just started doing that it was not my comfort zone yeah absolutely not but i just did it and got better at it more Did you enjoy that process of stepping out of your comfort zone? Comfort zone? Is that something you like? <clears throat> or is that something you just got like used to? I did not like it at the time, but I have learned to love it. Yeah. Because I marvelous? think it's my comfort zone now. To do something uncomfortable now. Well, or to just be out there. I, I'm very comfortable. Yeah. Well, you're very well known in the community. Which is surprising, but I guess I am. I think maybe I've accomplished that goal. <laughs> Right. Half of the people right. in community in the in the county Finally, know about community living, day. so I can half now retire. Half of them know you. That's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and and I've kind of been the face, so I, I think I am the face of the organization. And well, there are others. When I met you, it was at actually at a at a at a morning coffee at okay. Community Living. Yes. And there were donuts and I don't know bagels and things, and it was like a it was just a thing. It was through the chamber, mm-hmm. and um, I think Sherry was one of the first people I met, Sherry mm-hmm. Wilsey, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about her in a minute. Um, we're going to say nice things about you, Sherry. And um, and then you came in and spoke about community living, and I, and this isn't lip service. I just want you to know that at the, from that moment that I met you, I just, you have to know that my, my cousin Lisa is somebody that I think is is tremendously dignified right so i didn't know lisa was your cousin and well i sorry lisa i just tied us together Uh but um you 
are in that same mold to me. If, just the way that you spoke, the way that you, the, the passion that you spoke about your purpose, and how easily and eloquently you laid out the purpose of the organization. So I think that. Um, tell me how you grew to understand the the vision and the purpose of community living over time. Because that's, I mean, you can see it on paper and you can read a vision statement, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't really know the vision until you get in the weeds. I think the way I, that it has become a part of me is because I was a part of directing what that would be. Devising the culture. I think once I took this job and then the, the, other leaders around me, we, we'd never done a strategic plan before. So we did a strategic plan and we decided what do we want to be when we grow up and what right, is it, right. what is the culture we want to impart and what is it that um, community living, what is, <clears throat> what is our brand? Right. What does it stand for? And so I think the reason maybe that I feel very comfortable talking about that is because I feel like it I helped grow it. Sure. It's like my baby. Right. It's like, <laughs> and I, so I was a part of making that happen. And I'm, and I'm really prou proud. I mean, we've got a lot of room to grow and places to go and, and all of that. But You're retiring and you, and, you, and you still say we. I am. I'm not retiring till the end of the year. <laughs> but I will say that <clears throat> I am very comfortable retiring because... I feel like it's time. I feel very happy with the way things are. It's like, uh-huh, I've, I've accomplished a lot of the goals that I set out to do in my sure. life. And those were kind of squishy, but I think the, the organization is in a great place. Um, I've got a great leadership team. I have... Um, we, believe me, have a lot of challenges. Always have. It's like there will never not be challenges with in this organization or, or with this, in this field, um, in any field, I guess. But um, I, I, it's, it's in my heart, I feel at peace that I made this choice and it's time to go. The only thing that's scaring me is the stock market. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like when I when I thought about I was going to retire, it's like, yeah, my financial planner's like, yeah, this was a Boom year and a half ago. Yeah. Oh, it was... Best economy in history. It was like, you do it today, no problem. And now it's like, mm, I wonder what my next job will right. be. <laughs> um, you said something that, and I'm going to go back about, I want to go back about, eight or nine minutes in this interview because you said something that gave me goosebumps. Okay. You said that when you began in the service world, in the, I don't remember the words you used, but you started serving people and uh, this job and that job. And you said you noticed that people were uh, not being treated like individuals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a touchstone for you, but that was for me when you said it. It literally gave me pause. And tell me about that. What the heck does that mean? What did you see, and what and what was your feeling about it? Well, and and um, of course, not a whole lot of people know about the history of the treatment of people with Down syndrome, developmental disabilities, right. and all of that. But in this institutional setting, and it wasn't like the worst institutional setting, but it was kind of, this is the way things are done. And it was in a small town, and it was um, similar to <coughs> Bell Fountain Habilitation Center. I'm sure it was very much the same. That's just the way people 
people with disabilities, they were in a big ward. They all were made to sit around the outside and not move or do anything. It was, um, there was no individuality. There uh, not a lot of choice. Uh, people were over-medicated to mm. keep them quiet. Um, the, the one thing that really touched me is I was doing some subbing in one of the uh, residential wards, if you mm -hmm. would, and the people, it was just like a gang shower with, you know, okay, everybody in, let's, and, really? and I thought, I can't do this. Now, I will say that while I was there, um, it was there, it was a time in the history of developmental disabilities that it was Frank Manalacino, Wolf Wolfensberger, some people who were making reforms, and they were talking about smaller settings, which would be 12 to a, <laughs> to a unit, I guess, if you sure. would. But, um, and so I got to be a part of some of that and, and put some of that into place at that particular institution. They built some homes, and then mm -hmm. it was, and each person had their own, well, they probably shared a bedroom. But it was just, you know, it was coming along and I felt like yeah but people were not it was it was just that mentality of put them away and don't think about them and right. don't so, they don't treat so them like the, individuals. the parents or the, the the family could go about their life I guess right right a lot of doctors told people to just put them away and forget about them uh, I, I mentioned Hank Cleaver uh, early on, and he was um, a, an amazing doctor in this community that helped families and said, no, don't, I can, I will treat your son or daughter that has these, these significant disabilities, and we will, you know, you can find places for them. And so he was instrumental in getting community living up and going. And So who were, who were some of your professional mentors? Who are some people that you looked up to at that time when you were, you were given this role? You accepted this role as executive director, and I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I care deeply, and I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this work. Mm -hmm. Who are some of the people that you looked to at the time as mentors, or did you? Did you? Did oh, you find? I did. Um, Dick Goldbaum was a mentor for me. Um, Hank Cleaver. Definitely, um, Jack Bosher, the, some of the people on my board, mm -hmm. Jeff Strickland. Um, this is Leach. Community Living Board. Yes, Community Living Board, because mm -hmm. that's when I became. Actually, the board really changed once I I took this role. There was one individual, and I will not name this individual, um, who was on the board with the the previous administration, and he did not think a woman. <clears throat> should run the agency. Well, so he stood not. up and said, you know, this oh, is Lord. ridiculous. And, and what year was this? 98. Oh, good grief. And so uh, he stood up and left, and everybody else just was like, well, that's fine. Bye-bye. And so... Um, yeah, glad he's yeah. gone. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, uh, other colleagues that um, were in the in the field, uh, Kathy Meath with the St. Louis Arc, um, so, yeah. Great. Just, so you were able to find some people when you were kind of going in the woods in the dark 
and you you found some people mm-hmm. that could could help guide right. you. Right. I felt very comfortable with the the um, actual working with individuals with disabilities and um, educational process and the execution yeah, of it, but all of that. But but the business side of it was yeah. like I was. I thought I'm smart. I know this stuff. Whoa, yeah, didn't. <laughs> they didn't tell you how much paperwork there'd be today. Oh, there's yeah, and and I knew there was paperwork. What I didn't know was that there weren't um, things in place such as an accounts receivable. Uh, <laughs> okay, so just systems and processes. Systems and processes. So I had to get those had all up those. and running, yeah. and um, but. We you came know, out of that. People, people are amazing. And, you know, people have superpowers. And over time, they, they ebb and they flow. And what's interesting as a business owner, and you experience this as a leader of community living, that, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. We like to do tasks and we like to do the work. But there's something special about driving the ship. And, and one of the magic moments in leadership, I believe, is when you find somebody who has a superpower that's opposite of yours, and you can, and you can mm-hmm. align towards the same goal. Was it a challenge for you to find people to fill those roles, to fill the, the billing and, the, and to fill the scheduling and to fill the fulfillment of. I, there were some internal people that that were able to do that. I had to get a new uh, CFO in, totally new, um, and she was great for that particular time. Um, we had some auditors that helped. Our auditors helped me get that going. I um, wasn't afraid to ask for help, <laughs> which, um, and I think one of my, I don't know what you'd call it, a quality or skill, and I'm not because I'm not afraid to admit this. I know what I don't know, and I am not afraid to say I do not know that. So well, that, I know what I need, what, where I need that. That's help. a trait of I think highly effective people, and I was going to say highly successful people, and I'm going to link those two in a minute. But a highly effective person has been sharpened to the point. Where they know where uh, where they are effective, or where they need to hire out mm-hmm. to to maximize efficacy. Um, what are your superpowers <laughs> or superpower? Um, let's see. I think I am open-minded. I am open-minded. I don't think I'm very open-minded, and um, I am not afraid to fail. I am not afraid to change, and I love change. I can deal with chaos. That may not be somebody else's superpower, (laughs) but I do it well, (laughs) so it's a superpower for me. Um, I also think um, I'm kind and... I walk my talk. I don't know if those are superpowers, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes, and and here's why. 
is because I think that the consistency is what makes it a superpower. There are days that you can be forgiving and kind and deal with chaos, and then there are days you can't. Uh, but as you grow and mature in those things, as you gain mastery over those things, I think you become more consistent in them. So I'm calling superpowers on all that. <laughs> okay. By gosh. All right. It's decreed. Yeah. What is what? What do people misunderstand about um, developmental disabilities and the care of those? Um, I think what people misunderstand is they might look at a person and think that they don't have an opinion. They don't know anything. They are not. Not aware. They don't have an opinion. Yeah, they don't. Um, they're not aware. Um, they don't have feelings. Um, they can't communicate. Because all everyone can communicate, and some people communicate through behavior, some people communicate through verbally. Um, uh, some people use other devices to communicate, but yeah, I think that a lot of people just it's like or I they're different, and sometimes when people are different from you, you don't want to go closer or understand them or mm-hmm. meet in the middle. So maybe they just don't meet your their their picture of someone who mm-hmm. who has a, mm-hmm. a value. Mm-hmm. Um, an example is, let's say I'm with someone and we're ordering at a fast food place. Someone might look to me and ask me, "Oh, what does that person want?" And I usually say, <laughs> ask, "Ask that, that person. person." Right. But it's like that person doesn't look like they doesn't look like me doesn't look may look very different may sit in a wheelchair. Do you may, think that people are conditioned to to think that way or or you know uh, I I haven't made it a secret about my faith on this podcast. Again, I'll say I say it every time. It's not a Christian podcast, but I'm a Christian. Um, everybody has an inherent value. We're all born with a, a tremendous value, mm-hmm. but we're all sinners. So do you think people are, are just kind of conditioned to believe that someone with developmental disabilities isn't capable of, of making decisions like like you like that? I think some people, yeah, they believe that, but um, and some people aren't. Some people who don't have a developmental disability aren't great at making decisions either. Right. So so um, so what I think surprised- that that's um it's just. That's what's hard. It's it's getting way better because right now, we in our society we see a lot of people that look different from us, mm-hmm. and they everybody and we see them being very able and mm-hmm. working and doing and um, being independent and and laughing and having you know having conversations right. or just enjoying life. Well, what's okay? So what surprised you? About the people that you serve, when you got into this role, you mm-hmm. took you, you took over mm-hmm. leadership of community living, mm-hmm. and you dove in and you saw the nuts and bolts of everything. You'd already been serving people, but mm-hmm. what surprised you about people with developmental disabilities over the years? What threw you a curve? Um, I think what threw me a curve, and this was probably before I took on the role of a CEO. Okay is I learned 
way more about life, about socializing, about communication, about kindness, about, um, wow, decision-making, about a lot of things from the individuals with whom I worked. What did you see them doing that was new to you at the time? They, I had all of these biases, you know, even though I was, oh, I'm caring for you, you know, that type of thing. And it's like, I'll never, there was one particular woman who, um, I'm not going to go into all the, what her disabilities were, but she had a, 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 a type of disability that she was fine. And then as she grew older, it got worse. So she was really not able to do a lot and I was trying to get her to come on you know you got to try let's do this and she just looked looked at me and shook her head and it's like you know what been there done that I you know and it was like ding 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 I'm imposing my values and my desires and my biases on someone else and that was a that was huge for me I, I will just never forget it so I really try to that's what I said open-minded sure I will I well how I did that change in, your 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 how did that change you that made me examine is this you know is it coming from is it my bias is it my my filter mm-hmm. my ethnocentric view of, of people or is it you know have I or do I really care about this individual yeah do I care about them and am I imposing my will my values on them because because they are more vulnerable or they need my assistance well it sounds like your 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 encouragement or your desire was innocent right that's oh 100% right but I feel like I really grew from that it, it sure. was out of a care and love and a kind heart and all of that, it's like, guess what? People, everybody gets to have their own opinion. Everybody gets to make their own choice. And just because I think that this would be a little bit healthier food for you, it's like, I don't care. I'm going to have the fries. I'm sticking the fries. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. As a leader, (laughs) as a CEO, and I don't want to spend a whole time on business, but as a CEO... What is, what would you consider, and you can maybe give me your biggest one, but what's, what is something you failed at and, and, so that you, and that you learned about from a business perspective, for example? What, what is one of your failures and how did that change your leadership style? Uh, I think one of my failures was not being, was being too nice to... Uh, individuals who worked for me at times and just kind of um, and I think it made my job harder so that's why I think I failed at it Um, okay thank you I'll just take that on and do it because it wasn't up to my standard right (laughs) and I have very high standards and talk about affording other people the ability to fail and to have their opinions and stuff you know there are certain things that you want your standard to be but then there are other things it's like okay you can get there in this way and i need to allow that to happen i was very um 
So instead of saying guiding someone to maybe do it differently and maybe make that a learning experience for them, I just took it on and did it. Yeah, and I don't. I, I don't. Think I think that's a lot of leaders do that because we, you know, when you're pursuing excellence, you have opinions <laughs> about everything. You and I probably have yeah. opinions on every single issue mm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Whether we want to share them comes down to our discretion or candor, or, you know, or the company we're in, or what have you, right? But we have opinions. I'm guessing, but. One of the one of the neatest things that I see in business ownership is when I bring on a new staff member or even someone who's been with me a while and I have something that needs to be done as I learn what their strengths are, just saying, here's the destination. You figure out the path. Mm-hmm. Because I have my way and 10 times, in a, if maybe 10 times I do it, I might be right, but then 20 times I, I try it, I, it, it's better off I... I let them do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I hear where you're coming from is just letting people accomplish I, goals. And guiding them as opposed to just t- being, you know, taking it from them and doing it myself. Sure. Okay. I see where you're coming from because I was thinking it was, I was thinking that, I mean, I heard you say that, but I was thinking it was more about instructing them on how to do things. But you're saying you would just take over their, mm-hmm. take over the job and finish mm-hmm. it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no good. No, yeah. and and what ended up happening is I had way too much on my plate. Um, burnout, exhaustion. Burnout, exhaustion. Yes. Yeah. Um, Did you another to... failure? Okay. While we're on the failure, <laughs> let's thing, keep going. <laughs> I uh, I hired someone as a. Um, I'm not. I, I don't know who all will be listening to this. So I'll just say I hired someone in a high level position. Um, didn't vet. I thought I vetted them pretty well and ended up not and this person totally snowed me um pathological liar Mm -hmm. um said things to not only me but to my board yes this has been done this person had a very high level position in our organization and um i found out i i had inklings from some of my other staff hey this doesn't seem right this doesn't seem right so i'd go in and we'd chat and we'd talk and and you know this person was like absolutely and here you know just could talk a great game um and ended up i mean i ended up having to fire this person but um the damage that was done wasn't um irrevocable but it took me a long time to clean it up really and I then became very gun shy of ever filling that role. And I sure. did not fill that role until this year. And that was probably 10 years ago. So I was doing the, both of those roles. It wasn't best for the organization. It wasn't best for me. It wasn't best for others. And so um, so I think that was a failure. I was just too, yeah, I don't know. I think I would be wiser by I know about that, but, you know, it just... You you said in, I think, in in another interview that you did, you said, this is your quote, it's an art and a science to keep an organization, a non-profit organization, going because it's a business. Was that a surprise to you, or did you know that you were going to have to run a bona fide multi-million dollar business? Um, or was your head just like, man, I just want to help people? 
No, 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 no. I was ready for the challenge of running the business. Okay. The business side. Right. It's hard to step out. I felt like I would was a better CEO, a better business person because of my background of understanding the um, programmatic, the biz, the you know service side. I think I still think that made me better at what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, I was ready to jump into the business side. And yes, um, that's a great quote. <laughs> I think Barb, so. Because it is. It's an art and a science. It is. And there's, um, so you can't just run it by the book. And um, there are, there's winners and losers. And there's, I think the organization itself has done a very good job of, of we're rock solid. Tell me something that that people misunderstand about nonprofits, because you have to make you, you have, have to, to be the, profitable. That's right. So how do you res- reconcile just to the to the lay listener who doesn't know what a, a nonprofit is? Mike, you know what? I, I was telling my children about this interview, mm-hmm. uh, this podcast, and, and I said I'm interviewing the CEO of a nonprofit, and they said, "Well, how does a nonprofit work?" I said, "Well, it." It's kind of confusing. They have to be profitable, but dad, it's a nonprofit. So, what do people typically misunderstand about nonprofits and how they function financially? I think I think it could be very easy. A nonprofit is um, any profits that are made go right back into the business. So there's no there's no dividends. Hold, there's no dividends. There's no shareholders. There's no bonus. There's you know it's like. Um, and my job is to make sure that at the end of the day, there's we're financially stable. And one of the things that I think we've done very well at is we uh, went through a merger and we brought children's services in. So now we have a wide variety of services with a wide variety of funding streams, also a wide variety of people's hearts out there that might want to donate money for this cause or that. Um, but so it's there can be winners and losers, but at the end of the day, there has to be, you know, we have to have a safety net. Um, and so that's what we do. And we have that in reserves and uh, we we have no debt. We that was one of the things I think that the organization did very well is we decided uh, we're, we are not, we're going to pay off any debt that we have. And so. That's great. That, I'm, that's off topic. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, nonprofit. Um, the other thing is, uh, uh, for our nonprofit at least, because of the type of business that we provide, we cannot rely solely on donations. And some people. So you there have to generate revenue. We have to generate revenue, and we have uh, so we have a wide variety of revenue streams. And for um, the individuals that we serve 24-7, 365 days a year, we can't rely on the goodness of people or the greatness of the economy or something for that. We need funding streams. So that's where the, the governmental funding comes in. So we're partners with state and federal, and we need to have that money coming in. And that money follows the people we serve. Based so on they, the quantity of people. Well, right. If they, here's Joe. 
Joe has this amount of funding, and when we serve Joe, this is what we get. So we have to serve Joe with this. Now, if Joe wants to go over to Amaya's homes, then his money goes with him. Money goes with him, yeah. Right. So, and, but that's just one. Uh, I think another maybe misunderstanding about nonprofits is that it's kind of an easy you know, I'm chuckling kind of because a... <laughs> there's no, nothing's easy. No, but it's yeah. It's Is there ever enough not. money? Or maybe, maybe let me ask a better question. Hmm. Is and, and I don't want to I don't want to load this question so that people misunderstand my what I'm really asking is is this social service well funded through state and federal funds? Is it being well taken care of? Um, or are you always needing more funds? That's a loaded question, I know. Kind I want to be careful. We are, right. We are always needing more funds because um, what I need to say is this past year, the governor signed the budget that for this next year had an unprecedented amount of money a huge increase for our services and i we're all everybody in this field is just like oh my gosh he was it the legislator passed it legislature passed it the governor presented it it went through and we're like wow we can maybe kind of catch up but but who knows you know when we'll get another increase and right. and inflation is going and all of that so there i think Nonprofits are very good at living within what they are what they mm-hmm. are allotted and being as efficient as possible with the dollars. That's how we have to keep going. Is just where can we find efficiencies? How you know what's the economy of scale? What is our critical mass in order to make this program work? Those are the types of things that um, that we have to always balance. I think your your question though about is there ever enough money? It's I want to say it's not always about the money too. I think resources can be even more than money. It, we need community understanding of what we do. We need so that if we are going to help someone live in this neighborhood, that the neighbors understand that they don't have to be afraid of. Oh my gosh, there's people. There's people that are different in my neighborhood, and I've fought a lot of those battles. Um, so understand. So it's it's a total. It's resources. It's it's embracing of what we do in the community. It's volunteers. It's all of that. How is the volunteer pool these days? Um, well, COVID really shut down volunteers for us. We just said no. It's not the risk is not right. You weren't soliciting at the time. No, 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 no. Um, I, people are are coming back to volunteer. Um, we don't have. There's a lot of what we do that we can't use volunteers for. Because of training, need certifications, need certifications, and um, those types of things. But we do have a lot of things that volunteers can jump in and do, and that there, there again, that helps the overall bottom line and and our community presence. It's it's a resource. Do you th- would you say that that you're, you've you've had thirty five years 
in this role. That's a long time to be in a role. Yeah. Did you ever, did you want to, did, did you ever feel like you wanted to graduate from it? I mean, I, and I mean that respectfully. No, I, I totally get it. Because, um, you know, now retiring, did you ever feel like that you wanted to just, that you were done? You just wanted to move on to something else? A bit, or maybe I'll, let me ask you this question. Did you want a bigger challenge at any time along the way? I think that's a fair question. Mm-hmm. I think there were a couple times along the way that maybe I thought I want a bigger challenge, but then I got a bigger challenge like going through a merger. Um, and I feel like every year there's been enough challenge that I'm like, here we go. <laughs> this is a, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, here's a new challenge, and I'm ready for that. And so this role has challenged you very much, so. professionally, emotionally, personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You feel like you've you've been able to develop year after year. Yes. I'm, I'm sensing that. I mean, yes. How have you changed in 35 years? Because of this role. Hmm. I think I, um, I know myself better, I think. I'm, I want to say I'm more realistic about the world versus optimistic, although I am I'm an ever always an optimist. Glass is always three-fourths full. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and... And sometimes I get criticized for that, but but you get it. Oh, no. I but I get it. Um, so yeah, I'm more realistic. Um, I feel really great about the way that people with disabilities are treated now. I feel like I've been a part of that. I feel like um, the culture of the organization. Again, I think it's kind of like that organization was my kid, or or. Um, something that I um, helped develop and grow. And there were lots of challenges along the way that I've... Had I gotten bored, because I don't like, I don't like to be bored. Right. Um, that's why I like chaos and I like adventures and I like to I do zillions of things. And um, had I gotten bored, I think I would have looked for something else. Right. Something, maybe something totally different. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But okay, so what what makes a nonprofit successful? Integrity, meaning one hundred percent, you know, honest accountability, accountability, integrity, and of what they do, everything. Um, uh, Doing what they say they're, you know, doing what you you say you do. Follow the rules. Um, have a purpose. If the purpose goes away, what, <laughs> nonprofit really, you know, if if polio is cured in the world, then, well, and we're then we not going to do a nonprofit to, polio to cure Polio R us is yeah, out of business, yeah, right? Right, yeah. right, right. So, um, but it is, it, is so is is the is the purpose of community living. Well, that purpose. Are you finding that the need is greater, mm-hmm. the same or less 
over the last 35 years for, for care of developmental disabilities? Is it getting more uh, problematic isn't the best word, but... Right. But I would say there are there are, are more, there more clients yes, now than ever. Yes, there's there are more people um, that are think of um, the individuals that we served, you know, back in the '90s versus now, and people with um, that have a, a disability, an autism diagnosis, if you will, um, has, has just exploded, That's and people expanded. right, and people are now living longer than ever because of great health care and, and great services. Um, and so the needs are greater and they're changing. There never used to be a need for individuals with developmental disabilities for senior services. Now there are <laughs> because right. people are living to be 70 and 80 and, you know, it used yeah. to be 45 or something. And, and so... Yeah. Are you finding the range of services that are required is expanding? I think so. I think more and more people are wanting more um, community-based. Like, instead of coming to a day program, people right. want to live their lives. Um, I think the families um, now that have, that have kids in high school, their aspirations are, hey, I want... Joe to get a, get an apartment and a job and move out right. and that's awesome. Whereas before that didn't happen and now and that's exciting. Now Joe, is Joe the same now as he was thirty years ago? Is is that the same Joe? There are there are Joes from both times and now though but I mean, Joe meaning- is better because he has been. There were Joes mm-hmm. that had lots of capabilities, but if you are socially isolated and put into an a situation where environmentally deprived, right? Then you're not going to thrive. So some of these social um, stigmatisms, social social concerns of 30 years ago, whereas maybe as a parent, a parent at the time might say, "Hey, I really don't want this child in society with us. Right? We're going to drop him off." Mm-hmm. But now today, that person, that Joe, is the same, but much more accepted. So that that's yes. a bright light at the end of the tunnel. Very much and that so. light is not a train. That's an actual light yeah. at the end of the train. That is, <laughs> that is a light. And yeah. to what to what would you attribute that? Is that society's changing or or the amount of services is changing? I think it's just um, maybe a combination. I think people who have provided these services, like when I said, I want to make a difference, a positive difference in these people's lives, and they should be treated as individuals and not. I think a lot of people in this field feel exactly the same way, and so we're educating and we're, um, and families can't discount. I mean, it's family saying, no, my son is, um, just deserves the same thing as my daughter. And, you know, let everybody gets to live their best life and achieve their highest potential. That's kind of what we do, helping individuals achieve their highest potential and live their best lives. Um, our vision for the organization is that everyone lives a life that is fulfilled, 
not just you know not just labeled people with disabilities right. or you know but right. that in in our community wouldn't that be awesome i mean maybe it's cliche but you know differently abled is a is a, a huge term right if people are differently abled um but that really is the truth, isn't it? I mean, I don't have the skill set you do. You don't have the skill set I do. And who's to say whether where we are, I don't know if this is politically correct to say, but I, I'm thinking all of us are on some spectrum at some point. <laughs> We're all messed up. We all up. have, here, I think it's, we all have gifts and talents right. and skills and abilities Everyone does. You could say we've all got disabilities too. We've all got, you know, right. yeah, I'm totally disorganized and blah, blah, you know, and we, we, whatever you want to call it. But if you want to turn that around and just say everyone has gifts, skills, abilities. Um, I have a cousin who, who is very independent but requires financial oversight. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't make financial decisions. Mm -hmm. He doesn't always remember to take a shower. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he and he shows up to work mostly. Sometimes he needs to be reminded to go to work and it's not that he doesn't want to go to work. It's he just forgets. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really kind of in line with maybe much of what you're seeing. I, I don't know if you call it outpatient or what you call it, but in-home or whatever you call it. But you you see a lot of that? Mm -hmm. Is there, that a... Yeah, there's people who drive, they have jobs, they live independently, but maybe just need a once a week, hey, how's that grocery list going? Right. Or, you know, um, and, and wouldn't it be great if that could be naturally occurring and not a paid staff. I mean, I think that would be awesome if our community could like, hey, my, here's my neighbor, and I know that he forgets to take a shower, and so, you know, I'll bop in, and Susie will bop in, and, right. you know, we'll just, you know, that's kind of the pie in the sky, if you will. It is. You know, it, because that's, that's it, it not really in thing. reality. Right. But, but, um, uh, but more and more people, if they... Like, or we help people get jobs, and we part of what we do as being a job coach with that person is to help that person fit in with the culture at work. Think about how many people quit jobs because they don't fit in with the culture, they don't right. have friends at work, they don't, and how. You know, you could be the best worker, but if people don't invite you over to have donuts at the break table, it doesn't feel good. Right. So, so maybe teaching, well, one of the teaching things... Teaching the other employees how cool this person is and helping them right. connect. But there's also, I think, I shouldn't say but, and, and there's also a social component of, you know, just, you you want to, you want to, you want to be likable, right? You want to fit in to some degree. We all Every, do. Everybody does. Everybody does. So we all have that desire. I think so. What, what's one thing... Ooh, this is a good one. What's one thing about your job that almost no one agrees with you about? Is that a question that you can answer? Hmm. That almost no one agrees with me. Like your role, like in this, in this, in this role, or in this this industry, because this is an industry. Uh, what is? Maybe I'll ask it a different way. What is something that you would change wholesale if you could? 
About my job? About your about this care of development and oh, developmentally um, disabled or your job. Or if it's not a good question to answer, let's move on. I don't yeah. I think what maybe a lot of people might disagree with me about is my approach to how seriously I take my job 24-7. And I'm talking about maybe my family and my friends. Yeah, you know, yeah. They might say, why are you doing that? But, um, yeah, I, hmm, it, I don't it, know if I really, can answer that. Okay, that's fair. I'm, yeah. That's fair. So when are you most productive? Are you Do you get up in the morning and just start kicking tail, or do you ease in your day? When, as a CEO, how do you... What, how do you manage your productivity? It, it really fluctuates. Depends on, you know, if I sleep well or not. But I'm, I love to hit the ground running, get up and go. If I haven't slept well, I might, you know, sleep an hour later or something. Um, my schedule's pretty flexible right. in that I do like to, I do have a sort of a routine that I like to get up and just kind of Okay, take stock of my day, here's my coffee, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I work at home, sometimes before I go into the office. Um, because with all the technology these days, you're just you accessible 24-7. Yeah. Do, you, do you have, um, do you do vision casting, like with business? I know you've you've done uh, purpose. Uh, you you know you've written mission statements with the com- with the business mm-hmm. and whatnot. But personally, do you do vision casting? Do oh, you keep personally, a vision board? yeah. Let's talk about personal. I do not. You do, you just kind of take Mm-mm. things as they come. Yeah, and I'm intrigued by all of that, and I think, huh. Um, I wonder if that would have been helpful in my life. <laughs> Or would I still be here? You know, I don't know. I do, I, I take things as they come. I, um, I am, there are some people who really like habits and they feel that's their comfort zone. Because they're centered. They, they're, yeah. yeah, they're, um, here's what I do every day. This is how I like to do it. I hate that. I like to change it up a lot. So I, um, my routine is non-routine. You leave a lot of room for variety. I do. All I do. Right. If you were to start a business right now, what business would you enter into? And I know you're retiring, so you're not right. thinking a lot about that. Oh, maybe I'll. Maybe I need maybe, to start a business. Maybe. <laughs> Um, wow. Uh, I think it would be something I'd like to something that people want and need and that that maybe like a come in for coffee and reading and books and you know that kind of thing. Although now everybody listens and right. does that but I love books and all of that I've always thought that that would be a cool thing to do you start. do ebooks or do you like paper I like paper I and like I do paper. audio I do I always have an audio book and a real book and sometimes an ebook going do you read a lot of books at once mm-hmm. how many do you do how many can you handle three you can do three mm-hmm. I can do three but I think that 
I, I always like to focus on like one main one and then I'll kind of dabble in the other. Mm-hmm. These are, if it, it's typically very fiction oriented books. I don't, really? you know, yeah, that I, if I'm going to do three, I'm not going to do three. Do you, John did, Maxwell, <laughs> Simon Sinek. And right. Books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you a personal development person? Or are you reading a lot of like uh, personal development books? Not right books now. And, Mm-mm. I, I I have in the past, and I've been a mentor in the past, and you know, kind of done some of that. Yeah. Um, but not right now. What books are you reading now? I am reading um, uh, uh, De Silva. I can't remember his first name. He does um, Alex Delaware series, which is it's just pure fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. Let's see. I'm reading Bone Deep. Oh my gosh! You know what that that's about I don't. Betsy Faria. Oh okay. That oh my gosh! I can't. I can barely put that down. Okay. I knew Betsy very. She was a friend of mine, so that was. Mm, it's real. It's a true story. Um, and I have uh, just starting a Kristen Hanna book. I think it's called the, the Nightingale, and it's not the 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 one. There's one called the Nightingale, and this is a different one. So anyway, but I I I like to read. My you read every day. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you schedule time for that, or do you just? Take I just it typically time? that's the end of my day. Or if I'm in the car, I'm always listening to something. I was listening to your podcast in my car. Thank you um, very much. As the, um, mm-hmm. Which has brought another dimension to audio in my car. I like to hear some... I'm, I love music, love music, but I, I, sometimes I like to have audio like books or your podcasts. Thank you Go very much. On. I'm a personal development junkie at this phase of my life because I, I feel it. like I, I entered... I think I grew up late. You know, I dropped out of college. I started playing music for a living. I did that until I was 29 years old. Then I realized I wasn't going to meet my dream girl, you know, on the road. <laughs> so I, I stopped that. I got a job. I met my dream girl, got married, we got the kids, and here we are 20 years later. And, you know, I, I think I hit my stride at about 42, 43 now, a lot of the personal development gurus that I listen to say that it's not until you're in your 40s that you really hit your stride anyway. So I don't feel like I missed anything so much, but there's, I think that there's much that I could have, I think there's more wisdom that could have been garnered had I been more focused in my, in my youth. I think we all feel that way, well, though, Mike. When you look back at your life, when you were 18, 20, 22, 25, would you have guessed that you would be here? Not in this office, but leading no. this tremendous organization. No, absolutely not. What was your goal in high, in high school or co- did you did you finish college? Oh yeah. Okay. I uh, like I said, I was you know my dad. I came from a family of pharmacists, so my dad was like, "Go med school," but you know, and I love science. I was mm-hmm. I was a brainiac nerd in okay. high school, right. um, and. Uh, thought that maybe I would go down that path and I changed major all the time and then got into um, I wanted to go work at the for the 
U.S. Uh, Parks Department, the U.S. Forest Service, and wanted to, you know, and I had a chance to, to uh, get an internship, and my best friend got it and instead of me, and oh, you know, it's just one of those things. I did a lot in that time, and, and I think, I think, for me, it was a time of trying a whole lot of different so things. So you didn't I have a vision a, at that no, time. You didn't like, not. when well, I grow up, I'm going to be a boom. When What I wanted to do is, I, when I grew up, I wanted to be a mom. Okay. And um, a good mom and um, work and do something fulfilling. Um, I th- And I felt like I could do anything. I really had that sense of... I guess my fam, my parents instilled that in me. You can do anything you want. Well, this right. is in the graduated from high school in '71, so I mean it was kind of like, yeah, you can. Far different out, times. I can do anything you I betcha. want. <laughs> <laughs> go to. I at one time uh, I was going to go out to Montana and you know try to get in a ranch, you know, ranch or something. Sure. It's just stuff. It's all sorts of stuff. I worked at a zoo. I worked on a ship. I lived in New York City. I did. You know, I got all of that really um, out of my system. Were your parents supportive of that of that trial period? Yeah, my mom had already passed. She passed really young. But my dad, yeah. I mean, he kind of was wishing I'd get married and have kids or else be a pharmacist or do something. Yeah. But no, yeah, he was supportive. When did you kind of start figuring it out, whatever it is? You know, so you're... you're you, you're out of college, you're doing jobs, you're doing... That. What was your degree? Uh, Bachelor of Arts in... Um, it was called Universal Studies at the time. It was kind of... A, I had a hodgepodge of... Here's some... Here's some business, was going here's to, some philosophy. Yeah, I had a lot some... of biology and kines and some, like, life sciences so I could go sure. into physical therapy and then I had... You know, some other a lot of things like, that could lead to a further study, yeah, right? Or some entry level right. work in many fields, right? And then at that time, um, uh, I was like, okay, well, I'll probably go get my master's, but I'm not going to pay for it. I'm going to wait for somebody to. <laughs> I thought I'm smart. Somebody's going to pay Someone's me. Paying. Somebody's going to pay me to go to to be you know get my master's, but that didn't happen. I met my husband, and so. Tell okay. Let's go there. Okay. Tell uh, our listeners, how did you and your husband meet? Um, interesting story. I went, after I graduated from college, one of my first jobs was an, archae- the archaeologic, an archaeological project where we did a, a, an archaeological impact study in Missouri of where they were going to build the Clarence Cannon Dam. Okay. For Mark Twain Lake. Mm-hmm. So I was here surveying farmers' fields, doing topo maps, drawing maps, doing archaeological projects, um, and went home. I was from Lincoln, Nebraska. Went home, and my brother and I, very close family, my brother and I are really good friends. And so um, my brother had a really good friend who happens to be my husband. Um, who happened to be from Missouri but had moved to Lincoln. <laughs> so they were good friends. I came home, 
And my brother and I went to a party, and Chris saw my brother with me and said, wait a minute, where'd you get that cute girlfriend? <laughs> and You and, don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, that's my sister. Do you want me to hook you up? Wow. And he said, yes. Well, I went back to my archaeological project, but I came back that summer, and then we all just were friends. We just, just hanging out? Hung out. And then... It just kind of was like Chris finally said, "We, I want to marry you. Let's get married." And I was like, "So there was okay. no, there was no, it, there was just the transition from we're we're doing everything together. We're friends. We're with my mm-hmm. brother and some mm-hmm. other friends. Yeah. To you and I are going to be married. Right. It, yeah. It was, and it was to me. It was great because That's a we wonderful were story. really good friends. Right. And just right. kind of you know, and then and so, yeah. And then, so you, you got married, mm-hmm. and at that time, you finished up the study. I had already finished the study. You had finished up the study. So I worked for so, my dad in his pharmacy, and then I got the job in at that institution. Gotcha. So, and that was about a year after we got married. Okay. And, so, and then how long before you started having, uh, before you had children? Uh, about, got married in 77, and... Um, my first, my daughter was born in '83, so a while. We rode bikes. We, you know, we camped. We did a played. lot. We played. Good. Yeah. Good. We had a really good. Then. So now yeah. that retirement is coming up, so I I stopped at the the chamber office yesterday to do something, and I was talking with Wendy Berry, mm-hmm. and I told her that you and I were talking today, and I said I asked her what's a question you want me to ask, Barb. Well, she didn't give me a question. We just started talking. And she said a, a, a lot of nice things about you. She said that um, when uh, over at, at Acres' office the mm-hmm. other day for wa- watching the parade, mm-hmm. you rode up on a bike, and mm-hmm. there you were, you and your husband on your bikes, and there you were. You're. She says, for all we know, Barb's going to go volunteer for the Forest Service when she retires. <laughs> really? She really said she that? She said that. <clears throat> I would love to. Actually, I, I'd go work at the, you know, I'd like to uh, work at a golf grounds or be a groundskeeper or do something for the you parks. You should come to work at Osteostrong. I, I actually <laughs> would love to, you know. You I want to I want to transition. I want to do How nothing. How long do you want to play? How long do you want to do nothing? Like, Let's put this on record right now. Ooh. We're putting this on your permanent record. How long do you believe you're going to retire before you decide that you really want to do something outside of retirement? How long before you get bored or less interested in doing retirement? I don't think I will get bored. Uh, Well, maybe I will. I, I have a lot of interest in a lot of things I want to do, but... I do a whole lot now, so I right. yeah. So well, if you um, want something six done, months maybe yeah, six months maybe. Okay, so what are you going to do the first week when you retire? My husband's idea is that we have a trip planned, so we are gone and not accessible and all of that. We haven't planned that trip yet because it's going to be January. This is going to be January. Well, Alaska so. cruise is the best idea. Well, there you go. You heard you heard that. Your husband's name is Chris? Yes. Chris Alaska. Alaska. He his his idea was Australia All for right. the month. That's a great idea too. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I I'd love to do that not we're, 
we have to plan a little bit farther in advance for right. that. We will do that. Yeah. I will go so, to Australia. I, well, that's smart, I think, because, you, you know, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off. You have this mm-hmm. responsibility. And, and from, uh, from what I'm guessing, you're not letting up. You're not slowing down. I can't. You're working as hard now as you did two years ago, knowing that you're retiring in just a matter of in less than six months. Mm-hmm. You're not slowing down, are you? No. What are some, and I, I, forgive me for going back to business, but this just popped in my head. What are some things that you want to get done before you retire? I want to get our um, organizational structure the infrastructure, the individuals in place and knowing what their job is, because we're doing a little bit of um, reorganization. I want to get that hammered down, good people in place. Um, I've got to, Sherry Wiltsey is taking my job, mm-hmm. so we have to fill her role, her position, and get that person up and running so she can adequately do that. Mm-hmm. I want to um, tie up. Any, excuse me, tie up any loose ends that are out there because I have a whole lot of loose ends. Okay. You know, I want to get all those, the sticky notes. You got to right, get through the sticky get, notes. Get through the sticky notes and, and kind of clean up and and get get through that. But um, and just kind of make sure that things are going smoothly. We have money this year. To we were able to give raises to people. We I. This morning, it was so awesome. I went out. We decided for for uh, June, July, and August, we are going to give every single one of our employees a QT gift card because gas is so expensive. And it's like we're going to just do that. And I got to go hand those out this morning to employees. It was really fun. That's fun. It was so fun. But... You know, make sure that um, we've we've been working strategically on changing our culture and intentionally designing what we want our organizational culture to be. And I, there's some awesome things that are right in the works. I want to see them come to fruition. Do you think it's possible for you to leave this role on your last day, and 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 feel like you're done? Mm, that's a good question. What I, I don't know if that's possible. What I f- feel at peace about and good about is that I feel like I'm leaving a really good place. I've done a good job and I'm leaving and things are really good. And I can't, I think I can rest assured that they don't need me. Yeah. And personally, that's hard. It's like, what do you mean? You, you know what I mean? But yeah. they don't. And me, my commitment to Sherry and to the organization, to the board, is I, I will be there. And in fact, you know, do you want to keep me on retainer for six months? You know, whatever, whatever that looks like. Whatever they need. But I'm not, I'm not going to have a presence in the building. I, you know, I want to say go and step out of the way let other people's dreams happen 35 years is a tremendous legacy of leadership that's not something your average ceo gets unless it's their company they started yeah exactly because you came into a role that someone else designed 
and you had to manufacture success out of that out of that charge and you I think that you did something really profound. I think that you took somebody's vision because there had to be a vision mm. to start Well, there was, right. You're living. There was a vision. Mm-hmm. And you magnified it. And I don't know what community living was like 35 years ago, but what you've told me today is that it was a successful organization, but it needed to grow and needed, there were some things that needed, needed to change. Well, you've affected change. How does that feel right now, knowing you're coming up? Like, do you, do you stop and say, wow? Do you, like, turn around, you know? Because you're a, you're a go-forward person. Do you ever turn around and just say, wow? Sometimes. I'm, and I think I... Or are you not the kind of person to let yourself do that? Well... I I think it's important that we all are able to do that. I I would say no. I'm not. I'm not really. It's like I'm not going to go. Hey, look what I did. You That's know? not re- right. Yeah. But I, I think do. You I am that. very. I'm. I feel good, and proud of looking back and the struggles, the craziness, the, you know, where we are today. Um, yeah, I feel like I've I've done a good job and I've done my job and now I'm ready for it to soar and go even farther. Um, kind of like with my kids. It's like yeah. I have great kids and man, they're just doing great great mm-hmm. things now. So, yeah, letting go and yeah, that's and, a tough one. My kids are coming up there. You know, my oldest is 18 and he's still living with us and he's starting college this fall. And uh, I'm just, you know, give him more rope, you know. But, it's really hard. And we had an, we had an incident with a, a bonfire at our house recently where I've taught my kids how to light fires mm-hmm. their whole lives. They know how to light fires, but they... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which but one. But they're kids. But they did something stupid and somebody got hurt. Yeah. You know? And it, it was it was a stupid thing. So you're going to turn this organization over to to somebody very capable. Mm-hmm. Who's been there longer than I have. Tell me about Sherry. Sherry is Sherry and I are night and day different. How? Um, Sherry is uh, very. You know, we early on we talked about having somebody who's maybe has skills that aren't your skills. Sherry is like that behind the scenes, get it done, organization, here's what's going to happen, you know, step A, B, C. I'm, I'm the visionary. Sherry is, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. I'm like, A, I see Z. And Sherry's like, okay, here's step B, C, D. So in, in business modeling, we look at people, we look at the voyager, the visionary, and then you want an integrator, and then you want staff. Mm-hmm. So is Sherry, has she been your integrator? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Sherry is so capable um, and is a workhorse. Is um, and, and I think what will be difficult is, maybe I shouldn't say this on, on this podcast, well, but it'll it be. Then. Okay. I won't. You can. If you, it's up to you. 
Sherry, but, I'll just say that she, you know, she loves a challenge, and she will, she will be great. Integrators have, I think, integrators are the the most important role. Hundred percent agree. Because they they know vision, and they they're visionaries too. Maybe not as far down the road. Mm-hmm. Maybe where you and I might see over the rainbow, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the integrator understands that and is capable of that vision casting as well. But they have something that we don't. They know how to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And that is so and- hard in business because when you take some, a real entrepreneur, right, and, and, and they know the community needs this, this is a real product or service, there's a gap, and it can be profitable, it can be maintained and managed, and, and we're going to go. But then you've got to have an integrator to put it in place. And there's a struggle that I have uh, because it, opening OsteoStrong has led me to learn more about what I don't know. Mm-hmm. than ever before and talk about eating the entire humble pie <laughs> right <laughs> right right and you mentioned it earlier yes absolutely. learning what you don't know and i think that's a that's maturity and it's it's growth but you know now we know well you knew pretty you know i'm five years in you probably knew five years in all the junk that you number one that you don't know mm-hmm. suddenly you know more about what you're not good at and how much you need people Absolutely. to be successful. Right, right. Yeah. That was yeah, that was a hard lesson. Um, because it sounds like you were just a doer. Very much. Coming up, you're like, I'm going to do this, and I don't care. I'm going to get it done. And I, you know, I, I think I met, said this on another, in another one of my um, discussions. I've grown up knowing that expression. He is a jack of all trades, master of none. My whole life... That's me. And you too, right? You are so right on. I am so the jack of all trades. I'm going to, I want to do everything. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you look at your life, like what, so this isn't about me, but, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a pilot, I'm a musician, I I own businesses, I'm in, I'm in health and wellness, I'm in real estate. I mean, what are you in? What's the, what's the spectrum that you're in? That's probably the best word to use too. Yeah, isn't it? Um, I'm. A bike rider, yoga, I a tennis player. Um, uh, haven't gone fly fishing in a long time, but I was fly fisherman. So just, activities, just outdoor activities. Activities and reading and grandma, mom, uh, yeah. caregiver, just cook, love to cook. Just but Are you a good cook? Yeah. I am. Are you? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you love cooking? I love taking Whatever it is, Here, here's some meat and here's some, you know, here's fresh what we have. veggies yes, and, and creating something. And I think my husband would say that I'm really good my at that. My wife does that, too. She is so much. She, it doesn't matter what we have on hand. We can always have a delicious meal. Mm-hmm. We're never lacking. So mm-hmm. that's a tremendous skill because I look at and I'm just like, well, I'll just I'll just cook this, you know. Can of soup. <laughs> I'll just heat up the soup, you know. Yeah. So that's neat. Yeah. But oh, the yeah. rest, of, but you know, there's a, there's another line to that. There, he or she is a jack of all trades, master of none. And it's oftentimes many is better than one. And I didn't know that until last year. Oh. 
Did you know that? No. That's the rest of it. That's the, that's the, it's a thing. He's, he, she, is a jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes many is better than one. I like that. I know, because it changed I've my never, life. It, 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 I've always felt like, you know, what, what am I going to be the master of? And, you right. know, but I have too many things I want to You know, because do. we're told that we need to be a specialist. And, you know, mm-hmm. in, in coach, like you've been a mentor and you mm-hmm. mentor, you coach people to, you know, be the best at, at your thing, at your craft, you know. And some of my students, I tell them, you know, you be the expert, be the pinnacle expert. And then, you know, once you're that, then you can move into growing your business. <clears throat> now, it depends on the student, but... To know that, you know, it's like I always felt bad about that because, you know, I, I grew up welding and I was a machinist. I, was, um, what? I went on a mission trip about six or seven years ago in Guatemala. And we were going to pour uh, some concrete. That was our role we took on for that week. Well, we got down there and it, it was raining, torrential rain. And it was predicted to rain the whole week. So we're down there. We're in Guatemala. And we're on this compound. It's an orphanage. And we're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, the leader, I'll tell you more about this guy later, uh, off air. But he says, well, are, are there any welders here? And I had welded my whole life until I was 18. And I was, I guess I was 48 or 47 at the time. I'm like, I haven't welded. So should I raise my hand? I'm like, I, 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 I used to weld. Turns out I spent my entire week doing some welding that would have cost them thousands of dollars wow. to have done. So, you know, looking back, learning the rest of that phrase, <clears throat> that was a game changer for me because it's okay to not be able, not have those specialized skills. So is there a, a hobby or a sport or an activity or something that you've been waiting for retirement to do? Yes. What is it? More tennis and um, probably more biking, but definitely more tennis. I are mean, you a serious biker? Are you like a mountain biker? No, are you a I'm road? a trail Trail, rider. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but I love it. Um, no, definitely I want to more tennis i play on two different groups i am a member of two different tennis clubs but i i have not played this summer i um i just i need to have time take some i'm going to take some brush up lessons and then get back into it i love tennis. are you spending more of your um, free time on wrapping up community living yes so your evenings weekends you're Mm -hmm. you're just going through the Mm -hmm. books and, Mm -hmm. and saying this i did this that and the other right yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, that's why I'm. I really haven't done a whole lot. But if you <clears throat> are, are you going to stay in St. Charles yeah. when you retire? Yes. Um, Have my, you guys talked about that? Yes, because our kids are close and our grandkids are close. So this is where we will be as long as they're yeah. here. <laughs> is this and I love St. Charles. St. Charles has everything. It We've has talked everything. about that a lot in a lot of these in a lot of these podcasts. You, there's nothing lacking in St. Charles County. We have it all. 
And where we live, we can zip over. We're right by the page extension. We can zip into St. Louis County real quick and, you know. Now we have the Blue Way, if you're a kayaker. That's going to be expanding. Actually, that's what I want to get into once I retire is I'm going to get, we're going to get some kayaks and I'm going to get into that. I've just done a little bit of that. Just it's another one of those. Rent rent one first. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You, they've got those those lockers that you can rent them yeah get online reserve Mm -hmm, it and go mm -hmm. it uh, so i was going to ask if you could live in in anywhere in the world where would it be is that a good question for you or Mm -hmm. are you there right now no i mean i do like st charles if i could live anywhere in the world and i've not been very many places in the world i would live in colorado that's my favorite state how come what do you like about it just the variety of topography and The variety activities. of everything that's there. And, you know, some of it is I went, I grew up going there every summer. Did you? Okay. Yeah. So you, you, have, yeah. you have. And I've skied there. I'm, I, I'm, I like Colorado in the summer better than I like it in the winter because I, I don't ski anymore. Um, maybe I could get back into that. I don't know. I really have no desire to do that. But, um, yeah, I just think it's beautiful. You told me you're an introvert. But you have a lot of extrovert qualities. You're an introverted extrovert is what you are. I'm trying to think what, I think in like that Myers-Briggs, it's like the IE, I'm like, you know, right there. And I think I developed that. I love being alone and I like to sit back and and watch and that kind of thing. But when I was challenged to have half of St. Charles County know about community living and, you know, I just started... You do what there. you need and, to do, right? And I think I, I think people would be surprised to hear that I'm a, that I think I'm an introvert yeah. because I. I know well, the cat's everybody. out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I am too, and you'd never know it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, same thing. Because I was painfully shy as a child. <laughs> painfully, I wouldn't talk. Wow. I would hide behind the chair when company came over. I would hide in my room. And it wasn't until I began playing music professionally at, it was very young when I started, but being able to get in front of people and perform. But even, even up until I opened Osteo Strong, I would rather be alone at home than be in the community. But, but I, st- I read a book. <laughs> I thought, and this is back when I was with Citibank. Um, I, I knew I needed to grow professionally. So I read this book called The Charisma Myth. Hmm. And I, because I was thinking, man, there's, there's these people that are working with me, and I won't name them, but, but they're, they're wonderfully charismatic and growing in business, and they're, they're getting promotions, and, and I wasn't. And what do they have? And I'm like, well, they're very charismatic people. And so I Googled charisma book, and the first one that came up was this book, and I ordered it, and I read it, and I've read it like 50 times. Point is, is you can become what you need to become if you're driven to be successful. And, I, and that's where I'm going with this, is you saw something that needed to be done. And it sounds like your purpose was to be successful, not for you to be successful, mm-hmm. but to serve this part of our community. Mm-hmm. And you just simply did what you needed to do. So, and, and fell in love with it, and now I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> and now you almost, that's why I get, that's why we have microphones, is because I need a place to talk. I, I, there I you won't, go. if you give me a microphone. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what, if you had to write a book tomorrow, 
what would you write about? And I love these questions. Oh, that's a... Hmm. If I had to write a book tomorrow, I think I would write about... I would write about the history, it's probably already been done, but the history of the treatment of individuals with developmental disabilities. Well, your individual viewpoint of it would be unique, and mm -hmm. that's probably worth writing about. Yeah. What if somebody wrote a, a book about your life? What would that be called? Something with the word chaos in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none, none, but oftentimes many is better than, better than one, one. Or, in the midst of chaos. Right. Or, um, <laughs> no, um, maybe comfortable with chaos or um, routine is boring. I don't know. Something right? like or that, Or it yeah. could be, yeah, or, or I get you. whatever. I get you. What was... <laughs> Do you have any pet peeves? What's your biggest pet peeve? People who lie. All right. Have no use for that, and and you know what? It always comes back. Pe you know, people lie, and um, it, it comes back to haunt them. If you could have coffee, you've heard me ask this question before, <clears throat> with any historical figure, who would you choose? Historical figure. Okay, I would. I, and, and that yeah, history goes yeah. up to even yesterday. Yeah. Um, probably, I think maybe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. What fascinates you about his story? Because he walked his talk. He's a he, powerful man. Very <clears throat> powerful. <clears throat> Visionary. Um, Soft-spoken, but wow, you know. He's a remarkable figure, and I've read about him. He has, as we all do, skeletons in his closet. As we all do. <laughs> as we all do. <laughs> Praise God. I've said it a million times. Praise God there's a statute of limitations, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> there's some things I haven't talked about in seven years. <laughs> But he was someone who, man, affected change in the midst of sin and heartbreak and, and right. trauma and, and tragedy. And, and I don't think he ever professed to be, you know, better than anyone. No. You know, he, he just, was of the people because yeah. he could understand what all of that, you know. So, yeah. Um, I'm not surprised that you, that you chose a social justice figure. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's that's fitting because that was kind of where your heart was. You know, it's I, I don't know any I don't know much more about you other than this conversation, and I've seen you from a you know afar largely in the last five years. But <clears throat> but social justice is maybe not your intended flag, but even through archaeology, even through uh, that type of thing, you're you're affecting the uh, the community. Definitely, it's I, 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 that's been. Something that's been in my heart for even high school and, you know, Vietnam War, you know, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think it's social justice is important. It is. And let me ask you this, and this is not fair. I'm going to tell you now. 
because we talked earlier, I, I always ask my guests, is there anything that's completely off limits? And I'm not going to go approach mm -hmm. those limits, but I'm going to ask you. Um, when it comes to social justice and uh, politics, you have opinions. Uh, I'm sure you have opinions about politics. Um, we all do. And yours can be so. different than mine, and I love and bless that. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think, let's just say locally, where do you think St. Charles is going to be in five years? Do you think we're on a great path, or do you think we have uh, much to do? There's always much to do, but do you think that we're on a good path? Um, I do think we're on a good path. I think there's a lot of innovation. Um, my husband and I fight about this sometimes, um, you know, with some of the, the, you know, the riverfront stuff that's going on and, you know, some yeah. of that. And I think people in St. Charles County care about St. Charles County. And, um, and so I, th I think... I think we are on a hard path, on a good path. Um, there's good people that are um, in charge. And we do have, um, I think we have a, a lot of really wonderfully hearted and wonderfully minded leadership. We may not always agree with them. Right. I think, but I think they're not so hard headed. There's, there's some that are, but are, that aren't that at least have the majority of let's make St. Charles County a good place to live. Right. I think that. Do you see yourself moving into a political role? Absolutely not. How come? We know that you're. We know that you're community minded, and I'm not trying to mm -hmm. sell you on this. Oh, I'm no. just. I'm just I building am. a. I'm painting a picture. Mm -hmm. You're. You're community minded. We know where your heart is. Your heart is with people. It always has been. We know that you have a track record of success in leadership. Uh, we know that you have opinions. Mm -hmm. We know that you're not going to rest. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> as much as you probably think I'm going to retire and rest right, of it, you're right. not going to rest. Yeah. Know. So, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if you took a, a, a role in some government, some county or city level. I wouldn't be surprised. I have, um, maybe, I mean, I don't know about political, uh, but what's not political? Believe and that's me, why I, I say was that a trustee at my church. It's like, you talk political. about, that's the most, one of the most political jobs well, I've I ever took a been role in. With, I live in Weldon Spring, and I took a role on the, the Parks and Rec Advisory Council. I love that. You know what? That's not a real... Like, I don't think they care whether I'm conservative or liberal. And that's not a role that... But you know what? I think that I think that's a political role because when, you're, when it comes to spending people's hard-earned tax dollars, I think that they have a say. Mm -hmm. And their say comes from largely where their worldview is. True. And I think that you can't have a worldview without a political opinion in today's society where we're so polarized, A or B, right? So I, th strangely enough, to all my new friends on the Parks and Rec Advisory Council, it's a political role. But, I mean, but have you enjoyed it? I love it. I, I, 
I mean, I, I, I just started. Recs, that to me sounds like I, yeah, I could do that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to run a campaign, and I wouldn't. Want, right. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah. Well, yeah. what do you love about St. Charles? And then we'll wrap this up soon. We're, we're, we've been going a bit. This might be my longest one yet. Uh oh. But it doesn't you, seem like that. That's I know. Amazing. Isn't it great? It is. What do you love about St. Charles? I love. Um, what it has to offer. There's the parks. There, I mean, it's the variety of things. It's a huge county, and there is so much variety just within our county. Mm-hmm. I love the people here. Um, maybe not all the people, but um, I have some <coughs> really great friends. I think the community cares about the community overall. There, there's a good feel for I do, too. I that. think overall, I think, I think more people care about their neighbors than don't. Right. Uh, this podcast is called People Who Influence People. And the reason I asked you on this podcast is, well, a bunch of people said you should get Barb. Uh, but the reason they said that is because you are an influential person in our community. You may or may not believe it. and uh, you're, So forget about it. You are. <laughs> what? What is a way that you... I'll just ask you. I, I, it's okay to talk about yourself. How have you impacted the community in the 35 years in your role? And, and, and you can say you as an organization. Sure. But, but let's make no mistake about it. You have been the leader of this organization. Mm-hmm. So the success of the organization, everybody knows the buck stops with the leadership. Mm-hmm. How have you affected our community in the last 35 years? I think that we've um, made uh, amazing services available to families and individuals that need them. Um, We've done it with um, integrity and uh, excellence and, and, you know, the best that it could be that we could possibly do. I feel like... um, one of the things that I think I'm good at is helping to raise up other people. And to one of the things that community living does is it raises up the individuals that we serve and their right. families. But I think. But you're talking about in, in the organization as well. Right. In, and But I also feel like as being a part of the community, I have. I love the community, and so I think I'm. I've made an imp- I don't know I wouldn't call myself influential but I may, I think I gen and it's genuine. I like people and I help people see the good in themselves and I like to raise them up and see and be successful. Well, I I'd have to agree that that that's what you do because that's what I I know that those around you see. Because I've been snooping around a little bit. Oh, <laughs> and and I and and I love that. It, it to me, it's in my DNA, and that's what I do. And and I just think I'm good at it. What do you want people to know about community living? Um, what should okay half the people know about community living? I hope more than half do, but I hope they do. Let's just say, what would you tell the other half right now? What do they need to know? They need to know that it is, uh, it's an amazing organization. Our organization is, I said this at the, at the uh, uh, coffee that you were at. 
our organization is more than just a social service, oh, isn't that nice organization. We are an economic engine in this community because of the people we employ, the goods and services we buy, the people that we can help other, that um, we put people to work in other people's jobs. Let's talk numbers. Okay. CEO. Okay. How many people are you serving in St. Charles County? 1,100. 1,100. Mm -hmm. How many dollars are you spending in St. Charles County? Probably about, well, and if not everybody, if I'm going to just give your our bottom line. Okay. Because that will include salaries, and not everybody lives in St. Charles County, but we spend $12 That's million. Dollars. $12 million. Mm -hmm. That's a huge yes. economic engine. Yes. We're and not just a feel good. It's like, hey, look, that's why we're in the chamber. We're a business. Twelve million is a business. Now Actually, it, it's, it's an, closer to thirteen. I think. It's it's a not for profit. So, again, all of that money goes right back in. It's not. It's not. There are no dividends. There are no shares. It's not a publicly traded company. There are no um, penthouses and boats. And, right. The the owner or me. I don't have my. <laughs> I don't get yeah. to sell and <laughs> no, yeah, not at right. all. You don't have shares, mm -hmm. so it's a real economic driver. Twelve million. I mean, you know, St. Charles County does billions and billions and billions, but twelve million is no small sum. Right. Whereas, you know, little little businesses my, like mine, and I won't say those numbers, but it's a fraction, a mere fraction of that. Mm -hmm. um, so those salaries. And I was talking with some members. I never apologize for how business works. I was in a Rofound location today, and they were asking about opening other businesses and such, and, and somehow the conversation led to this. I, I reminded them that, hey, every time that you pay your monthly membership fee, that pays for my family's vacation. That's how we buy our coffee, that's how we pay our mortgage. Mm -hmm. That's how we, you know, my, get my kids' shoes and schools and, and, and pay their insurance, whatever, right? It's right. how we, our family, supported. So when somebody pays their membership at our business, there's money in there that we take to run my family's life. That works with a nonprofit as well. Those donations, those grants, and the funding goes to pay the salaries. Now, granted, those salaries are probably far less than you would find in the open market. But that's where it goes. So it's a tremendous economic driver. Mm -hmm. How many people are employed with community living? About 250 right now. That's we a big have, company. We have been as high as 450, but we've yeah, it's been it's been tough for our last few years. So we're about 250. It's because is that because you're not finding staff, or it's not necessary? Oh, no. It's because when the pandemic hit and then things closed and then people didn't come back to work, it's, we couldn't find staff, so mm -hmm. we couldn't provide services. And many some people didn't want to come back to services. And so, yeah. But we're, we're, we're getting back. We're, we're, we're going back. I don't know that I have any more questions. Oh, my gosh. Boy, that's because you've <laughs> just used up all of your... All of your questions. This, you know, um, well, I have a question for you. Ask away. What possessed you to start this podcast? Well, business. I'm well, it it. Okay, that's a. 
There are a lot of reasons. And some I'm less proud of than others. Most of them I'm proud of. I've grown to love people. And there, are, there is a story as to why I've grown to truly adore and love people. Because I can honestly say that when I was younger, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what it was to love somebody else. It was, my life was more about me. And then as I grew older, and maybe another time I'll tell you that story, but let's just take for granted now, I love people. Obviously. I love their stories. I love learning. I love learning as much as I love people. Um, I saw this as a way, a very gratuitous way, to sit down and talk with people that I would maybe never have a, a real, you know, earnest chance to sit down and talk with in this capacity for this long. Because it, let's be real, if I would have called you, you might be the unicorn, but if I would have called you three years ago, five years ago, when we barely knew each other and said, can I have two hours of your time on a Thursday? You would have said, I don't know. Who's this Mike Bowie guy? And right. I don't know if his time is worth my effort or my time. You know what I mean? Because the time value money, right? So now I have a business. More people in the community know me. Um, you know, coming up on the Bowie Funeral Home coattail has been a tremendous asset for me in business growth. Let's be real, right? Lisa has been brilliant over the last 30 some odd years and paved away. So that gets me in. Uh, and it's all around the stories. I love the stories. And when would I have time? I sat with, um, was it last week? Oh, it was last week or the week before with Nick Achoni. Oh, I loved that podcast. I love Nick. And I'll tell you what, I think I met him at one gala, one time, mm -hmm. and we're Facebook friends. Mm -hmm. But I, now, I know, knowing Nick, that how I know him now, he probably would have said yes anyway. But having this podcast and having some of my friends come on first has allowed me to say, here, you know, like send, I sent Nick my link. Nick, here's my podcast. Here, who, uh, here's who I've had. I would love to interview you. Mm -hmm. He says, "Great, when?" Well, you know, this is local level, but I want to. I want to talk with people that I admire. Maybe people they even I don't admire, but who are influential. I don't want to talk with people who are influential negatively. But I want, to pe I want to talk with people who influence people because influence, is, I, I'm really intrigued by influence. Just that word, by shaping the direction of mm -hmm. something. How can I affect something? And much of it came when I started OsteoStrong because <clears throat> the science and technology behind what we do here is it's a biohack. It's a six to eight second thing on four things. Right. And it changes the traje trajectory of a life. It's like shooting a gun or an arrow. You're pointing at the target 200 yards away. And if you're off a milli mm -hmm. fraction of a millimeter, 
you're going to be off 10 feet down there. So what is influence and how can we dis distill it, refine it, and use it for good, not evil, right? This conversation I had with these members of, of uh, the O'Fallon Center today, um, I unapologet unapologetically told them I am a capitalist. I want to collect every dollar I can, but you have to understand my why. As a Christian, with a Christ-centered lifestyle, as some, and these are people who know me, so they, I can tell them this and mm -hmm. there's credibility in mm -hmm. it. A stranger would look at me like I'm a nut job. With a Christ-centered human who loves people, who wants the best for them, and who will actually put their money where their mouth is, and there's one more step. And this I believe about me because of the conversion that I've had in faith. Someone who can be trusted with people. I want to see people who have that heart get all the money they can, collect it all, and use it for good, not evil. Use it for um, developmental disabilities. Use it for battered women. Use it for homeless. Use it for all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So I want to collect all the money and do all the good things with it. So that's a big answer. You didn't know what you were getting into. But I hope one day to monetize this podcast. Love it. So if I have guests on who are interesting, and I love influence, so I thought I'd pick influential people. And then I can start selling advertising on this podcast. And then I can take that money and channel it into good things, not evil things. Mm -hmm. Not that I would do evil anyway on purpose, but you know what I mean? Right. I have everything I need in life. I don't need more money. I want more money because I want to do other things with it. Right. So right. Uh, sorry for that huge answer. No, but. I love it because in all of the podcasts that I've listened to, I, I never you know got that answer. So I thought, if I have the chance, I'm going to well, ask Well, you, you can ask anything you want. I'm an open book. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, you are an open book. I've been, I've been invited to one or two podcasts in my life. I, I guess people don't see me as interesting or influential. And that's okay because I'm good on this side of the mic. Mm -hmm. I want to know your story. And I want to broadcast it, and I want to platform, I want to build the platform so that more people can know Anna's story, John's story, Wendy's story, mm -hmm. Barb's story, Nick's story. Um, who did I miss? Mark, Kyle. Mark, Kyle. Yep. Um, John Dawson. John Dawson. I love John Dawson. <laughs> that podcast, and John, if you're listening, that one really didn't go anything like I planned. <laughs> That's because it's John Dawson. Because the first time I asked him a question, he goes, well, you know, i got a story of that. Can we tell that? Do we have time for that? I'm like, I, now I know better. <laughs> we don't have time for that. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like me to ask oh, you or gosh. like to share? We've, we've really gone down a lot of, a we lot of paths. Covered a lot. I've learned a lot about yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you for serving your community. And I, I don't know that, I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe you think of it this way. But listen, you know, servant leadership... From, and I didn't ask you about faith, but you know, as a Christian, you know, the model is how Jesus served people, right? And I don't know if I'm succeeding or failing, but if you look at that model and look at 
at the people that I've had on you, uh, in particularly now because you're in front of me, you've been a servant leader for a long time. And I think I agree with that. And I think that's what I want to be. And um, It's a suit that fits you well. Yeah. And I think... I think it's it's it feels genuine. Yeah. It's there's something it's, honest about you about know doing you, that. Yeah. And, one, yeah. I think one of the things that business people often get wrong, and fortunately we're surrounded by a, a lot of wonderful, tremendous business people in our community. But I think one of the things they get wrong is starting businesses so that it, they, so that their needs are met. Now our needs have to be met, mm-hmm. but the more people's needs you serve the more your needs are met. And the beauty of it is, this, I was at a concert one time, I won't tell you the whole story, I'll make it short, but I was at a concert one time, there was this band that were, they had had a long history of playing a certain type of music. It was pretty heavy rock stuff. We show up to the concert, and there's a piano, a cello, and a violin. And this is a hard rock, guitar, drum driven band. And we all paid our dime, and we're like, what's going to happen, right? <laughs> we didn't sign up for We didn't this. sign up for this, this you know, ensemble. Uh, <laughs> but they played. And the guy's just unapologetic. He's like, he did his show, and he's like, thank you guys for coming. And we're like, what? What did we just witness? We, like, was a hit and run? He goes, isn't it beautiful when you don't get what you want? And this happened to be a group of men and women that I was with who were pretty mature. So we didn't grumble or gripe. We're like, we paid our dime and we got our concert. Mm -hmm. But that affected me. And that affects me to today. Isn't it wonderful when you don't get what you want? I think that's pretty profound. <laughs> and actually. I tend to be a heady guy. Whether I'm smart or not, I tend to go down the heady role. Mm-hmm. And that really impacted me in a way that I, that it, like, it still impacts me. This was like five, six, eight years ago, five, seven years ago, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I'm fine that, you know, when I opened OsteoStrong and I, I it's nothing, I mean, I, I knew what the technology, the science was. I knew what the results were going to be, but it's nothing like I, th- I didn't, I had no idea that it would start a community. I had no idea that people walk into my O'Fallon Center and tell me, this is the best part of my week. Wow. You know what I mean? And not everybody says that. Some people say, Bowie Pound Sand, you suck, you know? But some people say, <laughs> it's the best. So how, how many stories must, might you have over the years where you've really impacted people, you know? You probably have a, a bucket full. Maybe. I hope, I mean, I think so, but, you know, I don't know. And I think that, I think that's one thing that we all have to be cognizant of at all times. We don't know what our behaviors and our interactions and our um, meetings and stories might yeah. do to others that we'll never know about, but shouldn't we always come with our best heart and our kindness and mm-hmm. our 
you know, because you don't know. You know, you, you told me early on that you were kind of, you were nerdy. You were the, 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 the nerdy, <laughs> oh, right? And yes. I'm totally a nerdy spreadsheet book yeah. bookworm, right? And we want things to add up. You know, two plus two is going to be four every time you crunch it, right? But what's going to happen, you know? What's going to happen when you put this person in a room with that person? So many variables, but it's beautiful. See, that's what I love. That's my chaos side. <laughs> it's beautiful when you find everything that I expected out of that. None of it happened, and all of it's different. And that's a that's incredible. And it, that's the chaos that I love too. You and I are a lot alike. Doesn't I? I agree. Doesn't that make you feel like, hey, I I am not in control. Of the like I don't. Yeah. Like as you much know, as I like, think I know now, hey, guess I know what? Nothing. Right. You've got to be open to that because it's like, I didn't know any of that happened, but it happened and isn't that cool? And there's stuff I can learn and it's not all cut and dried. And yeah. there's, there's miracles every day. There's all sorts of yeah, now I'm st- Yeah, we're, we're going to have to do okay. another one of these. So we got to go. Uh-oh. we got to go. This, we better this, this is way this too long. So anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for being with me. Barb oh, Griffith with Community Living Now for the next six months. And then... Barb Griffith, retired, gainfully seeking some other challenge and chaotic existence. But look for her out on the trails. Look for her out on the, the blue way. Look for her in uh, probably patronizing a lot of wonderful west- restaurants and and events. Are you going to stay in the chambers when you retire? Um, You're going to be a retired probably member? Probably not. I, that I don't know. I'm going to stay in Rotary. Okay. I love my Rotary Club, so... so are you in the St. Charles Rotary? I'm in the Sunrise. The Sunrise Rotary. Wait a minute. Sun- Mike Elam's in the Sunrise Rotary. That's right. Yep. That's right. And Max, who you just met, yes, is in the Rotary, but not the Sunrise. No, he's probably in Noonday. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. I, Thank I love what you. you're doing. I thought I was going to a- be the shortest, so I don't. Longest one my- ever. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> And we'll you know, just gosh darn it! Thank you again. I thank mean that. You. I'm not. This was fun. Re- more thank fun you for than being I on my thought. podcast. But more importantly, like 35 years of, of serving people. That's that's. I hope you don't take that lightly. I, and you're you're probably going to be like you know whatever. But it's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. All right, off we okay. go. On to the next one. All right. God bless. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode.